One of our pillars is embracing growth and change. And this is making sure that people are really excited to continually seek ways to drive towards better outcomes. And innovation has been ingrained in how we operate, frequently testing and iterating on new ideas is really what allows us to maintain flexibility and speed and drive new innovation. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. When I think social responsibility and sustainability, Brilliant Earth is one of the first brands that come to my mind. I truly do believe that they are not just leaders, but innovators in this space. And that's why I was thrilled to sit down with Beth Gerstein, the co-founder and CEO of the company, to really pick her brain on what drives her personally and what drives the company, especially in such a volatile and ever-changing time. We got into everything from the core mission and values of Brilliant Earth to how these values drive everything they do from a culture standpoint, an experience standpoint, and of course, an innovation standpoint. I truly do believe that the most successful companies embrace all three, have a strategy that touches on all three. So I hope this conversation will not just inspire you, just hearing the founder or co-founder of this company talk about building the business from the ground up and what drives her today, but also provide some great ideas and inspiration for you. I know planning, especially in this current climate, is challenging and it's hard to determine where to place your bets, what new ideas to move forward with, how to take chances. But Beth provides a great framework, I believe, based on how her company operates. And I hope it gives you some good ideas that you can potentially apply moving forward. Beth, thank you so much for taking the time out. Really thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks, Alicia. I'm happy to be here. So you co-founded and became the CEO of Brilliant Earth more than 15 years ago at this point. Let's start with the basics and we'll get into some of the new exciting things your brand is doing. Starting at the beginning, what inspired you to start the company initially? Yeah, well, when I was getting engaged so many years ago now, now husband and I were really struggling to find an engagement ring that really represented our values. And at that point, some of the issues surrounding diamond mining were really coming to light. And so I thought it was really important to be able to provide an ethical source for consumers and also to be able to really think about responsibly source jewelry as a tool for social change. Our mission was and still is to create beautiful jewelry while cultivating a more ethical, transparent, and compassionate jewelry industry. And we believe beautiful jewelry doesn't need to come at a human or environmental cost. And and that's really the basis for the company and and frankly, like has been core to our company going forward. Yeah. And and I have to say, when I think of sustainability and ethical sourcing and how these concepts intersect with innovation, and I'm not just saying this because you're a guest today, Brilliant Earth really is one of the first companies that comes to mind for me because I consider you pioneers in this area when not a a lot of companies were prioritizing it to the level 
that you guys were. But thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to the end, I mean, sustainability and ethics in retail have really come to the forefront. I mean, I feel almost as almost due to the fact that consumers are paying more attention to it and, and it's a need. But this has been your mission from the start, like you said. But to that end, how has your mission evolved over time, especially now that we're seeing more movement and more activity in this space and consumers are saying, give me more transparency, give me greater alignment to my personal values? I think you said it exactly right. You know, before social responsibility and sustainability became as core as it is now, We knew early on that there would be a strong consumer base who really cared about where their diamond jewelry was sourced from. And I think right now, it's really become table stakes for companies to think about how sustainability and responsibility fits into their values and their product set. From the beginning, we've really offered beyond conflict-free diamonds, which go above and beyond current industry standards and are sourced from specific mines that have demonstrated their commitment to following recognized trade standards. Our sustainability sourcing practices have really always used recycled precious metals, so they continue to evolve with sustainable packaging and reducing our carbon footprint. And we've always focused on giving back. From the very beginning, we've donated 5% of net profits, and I think that is core um, now just as it ever was. I think we have continued to innovate and evolved our offering, so I think that's been important to us. So More recently, we've launched Diamonds with Provenance tracked on the blockchain with our partner Everledger. And with this launch, we really became the first jeweler to offer blockchain-enabled diamonds at scale. And what's exciting about this is it allows our consumers to be able to trace the journey of their diamond, which is pretty innovative in our industry. And really what we want to do is to push the industry forward to promote transparency and responsibility. We've also more recently sought to tie our mission more directly to products that give back and highlight initiatives we care about. We want to give back to jewelry-related initiatives, but we also want to donate to causes that are important to our consumers. So more recent giving back efforts have focused on social justice, on COVID relief. So we actually designed a specific pendant called a Solidarity Diamond Pendant, which has interlocking circles, which just show kind of represent the connectivity of everybody right now. And 100% of proceeds are donated to Feeding America's COVID-19 relief fund. That's something we're really proud of. And I think just showcases just our efforts more specifically. I think inclusivity has also been an important value for our company always. And more recently, we've developed products and partnerships to help us to demonstrate this more fully. We partnered with Happiest Season, which is a new movie streaming on Hulu. I highly recommend it. And actually, our ring is showcased in it, which is really exciting. And around the launch, we also recently introduced our new MX collection of wedding and engagement rings. And this offers a broader selection of LGBTQ plus and non-binary inspired designs, along with more inclusive selections and ring sizes and our Rings for Everyone collection. So we're continually thinking about how to evolve our mission and speak to the consumer today. So much going on. Very exciting. And I will say, I already saw Happy Season. If it's a holiday movie, I'm there and it was very good. But I think the one thing that resonates with me, Beth, about all of the incredible things that 
Brilliant Earth is doing, all of the investments and partnerships and initiatives is that they span different areas, right? There are several layers to them. They're multidimensional, but they all ladder up to what I believe to be the core brand mission or the core values. And I think that's what really makes purposeful brands successful. It all feels authentic. It all feels connected. And and most of all, it's always connected to the customer. So what have you learned about your target customer as far as like how they've evolved, what rises to the top in terms of priorities. I know you mentioned that social justice has been really top of mind this past year, and rightfully so, between COVID and everything going on racially in America especially. But, I mean, Brilliant Earth has a significant lifespan of 15 years, but have there been any high notes or key learnings about your customer and how they've evolved? Absolutely. I think you hit on it talking about social justice. I think that today's issues are more relevant and pressing and consumers want brands to take a stand on issues that they care about. So social justice is a really great example of that. We recently partnered with Simone I. Smith on a line of hoop earrings that donates 10% of proceeds to the NAACP's Legal Defense and Education Fund. And I think it's important to show our customers that this is something that's really important to us. I also think that customers are getting more specific about climate change awareness and a renewed focus on sustainability. So we partnered recently with the Rainforest Alliance in their efforts to combat destruction of rainforest, and we've also become carbon-free certified. So I think these are specific areas that consumers are really looking to. I think beyond a focus on values, retail has undergone so much transformation with consumer preferences shifting more specialized and unique shopping experiences from online migration, mobile first behavior to really a desire for this high touch tech enabled experience. I think it's really important to serve customers in all of the different fashions of where they shop online, in store, and a combination of both. And frankly, in COVID, obviously that's become even more important as some of the in-store experience is more challenging. And I think customers have shown that they're more comfortable making larger, more considered purchases, including jewelry in an online setting, which is just a trend that has accelerated even more quickly with some of the closures due to COVID. Great point. So let's dig into that a little bit, because I think you bring up a great point that having a great mission is awesome, strong values, ensuring that that's embedded into everything the brand does. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a good product or a great experience, consumers are still willing to feel out their other options. They're still willing to see what else is out there or or even change brands if you can't fulfill the product and service end of the experience. So you talked about the rapid evolution and the shift to digital, which is so ever-present. But as CEO, how do you ensure that you're balancing the two effectively. And we'll get into experience stuff a little bit deeper in a second, but I could imagine that balancing the integrity of the product, the integrity of the values and mission of the brand, and also getting seen by your audience and engaging with your audience effectively. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to juggle. So how do you ensure that you're staying true to the root or the core values of the brand while still ticking off the experience box, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, I think experience and product is key. And I think while we are purpose-driven, I don't think that you need to compromise having a really beautiful product. I think you can have both. And I think that's really, really important. 
So we think about design and high quality products just as a very top priority. We have an incredible award-winning design team that's based in San Francisco that creates our exclusive designs. We regularly introduce new designs throughout the year to ensure freshness and just constantly providing a curated, beautiful collection to our customers. One of my favorite parts of my job is being able to see the creativity that goes into bringing in new product design to life. I think that's really exciting to see that innovation, but I think it's just so important to customers to really have it all here. Our create your own ring process also allows customers to personalize their ring. So they're able to select their setting, their design, their metal, the specific center, and we create that make to order and that creates a really high quality, beautiful product that is actually unique to the customer. So it's personalized, kind of hits on that personalization trend that's so important as well. And I think overall delivers a really premium customer experience, which I think is kind of, you just cannot sacrifice. It's so important above all else. I think from a marketing perspective, it's also important to engage your community through social media to speak to your customers in an authentic way. So we're fortunate to sell such a beautiful product that showcases so well, and our customer base is really excited to engage and share images of their special moments from proposals and weddings to milestones. And I think that engagement just shows so well in social media that user-generated content is what really performs for us. Yeah, no, it's excellent. And it seems like innovation is kind of baked into your culture And obviously, it's something that we've been hearing a lot about over the past few years on the retail touchpoint side. But I I feel like over this past year, especially, we're seeing an acceleration in conversations around how to make innovation a reality, how to do it better, how to do it faster. Would love to hear your thoughts on how you would describe Brilliant Earth's approach to innovation prior to COVID and what kind of evolution had to take place? Because it's it's clear just based on some of the new initiatives that you shared with me earlier that things didn't necessarily slow down, but I could be wrong. I'd love to hear what kind of change had to took place or organically took place as a result of everything that's been happening over the past year. Absolutely. So from the beginning, we have been disruptors And I think part of that is just our origin. My co-founder and I came from outside the industry. Neither of us had a background in diamonds or jewelry or retail, frankly. And so we were really able to think outside the box about how to offer a premium, beautiful product and an innovative experience. It's been innovation has just been core to how the company operates from our mission to our product to our omni-channel and showroom model. We've changed the way that customers think about and buy fine jewelry. I also think as a digital first company, it's been really important to move quickly and be nimble really from the beginning. So I think that's been a really important foundation. Obviously, COVID has introduced so many changes for everybody. Like other companies, we've had supply chain disruptions. And the way that we've navigated this is just having great geographic diversity and strong partnerships. And it's been really important for us to maintain continuity while delivering the same high quality products we always have. And I think that that's something I'm really proud of, just some of the quick decisions that we were able to make in order to just maintain that level of quality for our customers and the same level of experience. We've also really had to adapt in how we serve our customers. So we have nine showrooms and right when 
COVID hit, just like everyone, those showrooms shut down. And we saw the writing on the wall a little bit before the shutdown and really tried to kind of shift gears towards a virtual appointment model. And we launched it very soon after. So we were actually the first jeweler to launch virtual appointments and wanted to make sure that the same level of service that people would get in showroom was available in the comfort of their own homes. And that was a really big success for us. And I'm, I'm really proud of the efforts of our team to make that happen. The other thing that we really had to invest a lot in is just some of the digital capabilities. So we've always had great digital tools, but I think we just continued to invest and make sure that that digital experience was really seamless for our customers. During the pandemic, we expanded the capabilities of our virtual try-on tool. So that allows you to try on a ring on your hand specifically. And we allowed you to see different size centers, different types of jewelry, different ring stacking and wedding band pairing. So it's really been an excellent resource for our customers looking to find the perfect pair for their engagement ring or just a perfect stack. And I think that's a great example of just how we can continue to use some of the visualization so that it's a very seamless experience for customers and they just continue to be more comfortable buying online. So many exciting things. And I I love that we're seeing visualization, whether it be AR or or other tech really come to life in these times. I know there's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility, but seeing these ones kind of surface level trends, right? Like, will it become something? Will it not? Or just kind of a bunch of buzz for a bit and then it fades away. Seeing these types of technologies really get practical use cases is so exciting. But one thing I do want to zero in on, Beth, is as you were sharing your response, you really emphasized the team. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked. I can't emphasize enough that with any innovative idea or business model or campaign, there needs to be innovative thinkers behind it. There needs to be a team to make it happen, makes the magic happen, so to speak. How would you describe Brilliant Earth's culture? Because you you talked about the speed. I know agility has been a buzzword for a while. It's even more important now. Um, What have you done to kind of foster this culture or or community that inspires not just great ideas, but the power to move fast and maybe even make mistakes in order to create that great experience? Absolutely. Look, the team is core to everything. For us, we are so lucky to have such a strong team. And I think you're right that it's really important to have a culture and to define that culture really specifically. And that's something that we've done. We've kind of defined our pillars. One of our pillars is embracing growth and change. And this is making sure that people are really excited to continually seek ways to drive towards better outcomes. And innovation has been ingrained in how we operate, frequently testing and iterating on new ideas is really what allows us to maintain flexibility and speed and drive new innovations. I think the ethos of embracing change, consistently seeking improvements, testing new ideas is core to our culture at Brilliant Earth. Even outside of 2020, everything is constantly evolving. Consumer needs, new technology, potential partners. So if we waited for any idea or product to be perfect, we'd likely be waiting forever. And another pillar that we have is called bias toward action. And that really codifies that you don't have to to wait for 100%, 80% is great. And then it's a test and iterate approach. In addition to these two pillars, partnership and positivity is another really important part of our culture. 
We are so focused on encouraging ideas from people at all levels of the organization and just having teams work together to solve problems. We really need to solve highly complex problems. And in order to scale your business, you need to be able to build and inspire a strong team. And I think people become really passionate about working with each other and draw inspiration from each other. And this ultimately will result in a more creative, effective, and efficient solution. I think another important pillar that we have is commitment to our customer. And that really drives a lot of our decision-making. And finally, I think the other thing I would say is we are very database decision-making. And so I have a background as a satellite communications engineer. And I think this instilled in me the importance of how we use data to support strong decision-making. And that's something that we do all the time is we're constantly using data to make well-informed decisions. And it just allows us to be objective and make sure that everyone's ideas are heard. And really, is how do you use data and help us shape the right decisions and the right tests to deliver on? I love that. And what a background. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. It's an interesting background in retail and specifically jewelry. Well, I mean, the data side really makes sense because I feel like... I know I'm an ideas person. When I come up with an idea, it's sometimes a labor of love. It takes time. You feel connected and passionate about it. So with that comes a bit of ego, I guess you could say. So like if something's shot down or people don't agree, it kind of becomes a personal fight, right? So when there's data to back it up or, or steer you in one way or another, it's like, okay, like we can be objective about this and, and science-based, so to speak. So you kind totally. of have that. Yeah. And you know, when we do tests, whether they succeed or fail, we celebrate both. And we don't look at a failed test as a failure. Frankly, that is a success too, because we're constantly learning from that as well. Yeah, I love that. So it seems like you have these core pillars that really drive everything the team does at an organizational level, even at a personal level. But I have to ask, when COVID hit, I know our team personally had to adapt to working from home, collaborating from home when we are so used to just, you know, walking to someone's desk or just peeking over their shoulder. How has your approach been validated or or maybe even how has it changed in light of some of the adjustments that have had to be made and not just navigating work from home life, like maybe some personal circumstances like homeschooling, caring for loved ones. I mean, this is kind of multi-layered, I, I guess you could say. So, I mean, were there any key actions that you had to make at a cultural or organizational level in order to ensure that these pillars were still followed and and yet people's sanity was still <laughs> intact? Absolutely. I think like everyone, we've had to make approaches or changes to our approach to working. We have shifted many of our teams to work from home. And I think what is really important is to recognize that everyone has different circumstances. There are a lot of personal challenges during this time. So it's just so important for us to check in and create a supportive environment. For instance, we send internal weekly wellness emails, and that includes helpful information around mental health, sleep health, physical health, and so many resources to really make sure that we're supporting our team. We also encourage physical fitness. So we have regularly scheduled stretch breaks and fitness Fridays. And we also have other team members that lead their own Zoom sessions to do mindfulness sessions, card making, art lessons, and so many others. I think the goal is we want the team to feel connected and to be able to engage socially as well. So that's something that's obviously missing when you don't have that physical in-person experience. And so we've set up virtual happy hours 
where we play games like Pictionary. We recently held a virtual team scavenger hunt. So all of these are just ways for us to be able to communicate, feel connected, and also recognize that we are there to support our team. And we're constantly checking in with them to make sure, frankly, that we're doing everything that we can as a company to support them. I think from a business standpoint, we're pretty lucky that a lot of the model that we had in place was actually like relatively resilient. So obviously online being digitally native has been helpful for us. We're having to innovate, but I think we have a really strong base. And we also have a showroom model, which offers personalized one-on-one appointments to our customers. And I think this has been well positioned to provide an intimate and safe experience, but we've really needed to adapt to ensure health and safety guidelines are in place for our team and our customers. And that's something that we've spent a lot of time and resources doing, but I think just needs to be the priority above all else. Some really great examples. I love hearing how different companies bring their culture to life, what new programs they roll out. I know we've been really emphasizing the mental health side of things. A lot of companies offering half days on Fridays, things like that, just to kind of show that recognition. Like we know you're working hard. There's a lot going on. And I I really do think it makes a difference. So love hearing what Brilliant Earth is doing there. And we've been speaking off and on about the need for speed and the ability to adapt and respond to new circumstances. I know we've seen a lot of scenarios, um, especially during the peak of COVID or when COVID first hit, a lot of companies standing up new experiences like curbside, for example, in order to meet the customer's needs in context of the new reality or whatever we want to call the new normal. But a lot of big box retailers are being spotlighted, I feel like, because there's that essentials angle. I would love to hear like what was different for Brilliant Earth or continues to be different, just mainly from a priority standpoint, because you have a lot of great digital services and experiences. So were there any examples of quick pivots and new activations being stood up in order to meet customer needs? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've, a lot of our core has been helpful. As I, as I mentioned, we've actually always offered pickup in showrooms as a service and convenience for our customers. So I think that was, has been helpful for us continuing to really focus on digital experiences. And so we've augmented our omni-channel experience to really further support our customers. So the virtual appointment experience, virtual try-on, we introduced a new diamond recommendation engine, which was really helpful for our customers and just continue to develop more content and educational resources for our customer base. I think other priorities, obviously health and safety procedures. I think that has been a big focus, as I mentioned, the supply chain and really delivering the same high quality craftsmanship for products we've always offered. And then we're just constantly thinking about new types of partnerships and how we can show our customers that we support the causes that are important to them. And also that we're able to donate in a time that is so important to donate to. So we prioritize our giving back initiatives a lot on the COVID relief fund. Um, We introduced a diamonds at care collection to also be able to support Feeding America. And I think all of these are just new efforts that continue to prioritize kind of what people are thinking about right now. That's great. Quick follow-up question there then. Looking ahead to 2021, what are you 
emphasizing from a strategic planning perspective? And frankly, how far ahead are you even planning right now? Because I know from some of the conversations I've been having, the lack of benchmarks or data to make informed decisions has kind of been a challenge. Some companies are saying, oh, we're only planning like a quarter out because who knows what will be happening. I mean, where are your priorities at now for Brilliant Earth in the lens of the new year? Absolutely. I think we really need to push ahead on our strategic plans. I think if one thing that COVID's shown is anything can happen, but you don't want to lose sight of broader, longer-term projects that you need to invest in. And for us, key areas of focus are really further omni-channel expansion, how we optimize our site and customer experience. So we really want to make it a seamless experience for customers no matter where they're shopping. Continuing to launch beautiful, distinctive products that demonstrate design leadership and continuing to bring our mission to life in new and innovative ways. So all of those, I think, are important and just continue to be more important as people want to buy products that have more meaning. But really, I think what 2020 has shown us is anything can happen. And it's important for us to be prepared for a variety of different scenarios. And that's something we've been good at historically, but I think has really been strengthened now is just having a variety of those different kind of low, medium and high scenarios and just continuing the plan for each of them. Love that. So to the end, I mean, I'm sure you can only share high level details at this point, but is there anything new coming down the pipe for Brilliant Earth that you're especially excited about? Any new initiatives? I know we've talked about a lot of the charitable efforts and some of the new projects that have happened recently, but anything we should be on the lookout for? Well, we just opened our Atlanta showroom in West Midtown, and it's our first ground floor location. And so we feel really great about our current trajectory of our omni-channel model. So look out for exciting new developments on the showroom side next year and in the years to come. And just continuing to think about exciting new collections. So we'll have a, a number of new collections on the way and a number of new sourcing initiatives for colored gemstones, for gold. I think there's a lot that's going to happen next year, but I don't want to share too much. All right. Excellent. We'll have to have you back on the show to give us a little bit of an update, but um, that this has been so enlightening. Like I mentioned earlier, Brilliant Earth is a brand that I've been following for a while. We've covered quite a bit on the retail touchpoint side and just personally being able to hear your story and your outlook as a leader and all the great things that your company is doing. It's just been such a fantastic time getting to know you and chat with you. So thank you so much for taking the time out. Oh yeah, it's my pleasure. Before I let you go though, I always like to throw in a bit of a personal question, especially in these times. You kind of mentioned that the need to connect is here. You know, people have that hunger to get to know people personally. I think empathy is extremely important now, but also growth. And and I feel like in order to fuel our professional growth, we have to focus on our personal growth as well. It's a balance that I'm trying to strike myself in these times. So I'd love to have you share any tools, resources, even podcasts or books that you're relying on now to kind of keep that balance in check and help yourself grow during these times? Would love to hear anything you're relying on. Sure thing. I actually just finished The Splendid in the Vile. It's a book by Eric Larson about the saga of Churchill during the Blitz. And it was a really inspiring story about leadership. Churchill managed through a really tough time in World War II and was still able to motivate and inspire in the face of incredible hardship. It also shows how he was able to really marshal resources and deliver what people said just wasn't possible. 
obviously this year has posed so many challenges and we've all had to be so responsive and nimble and make so many quick decisions while also seeming unflappable. And I think that seeing what Churchill was able to accomplish kind of makes everything, it just shows that if he can do it, then it's a really good model. And certainly I think it's, it's a good way for us to kind of model after. I think what's tough is obviously like we've had to make all of these changes. We've had to make sure that our team is supported and all of this, like being in a remote environment, as well as like, for me personally, I have two kids in distance learning. Like you just have to juggle everything. And so seeing an example of someone who can do it, I think is really inspiring for me personally. I feel you on the distance learning. My son is only two and a half, but I have two nephews that are, that are six and a half and they are spending time with distance learning and I have teachers in my family. So props to you for juggling all of that and running a business because I can barely remember what day it is most days. (laughs) I understand that too, unfortunately. (laughs) All right. Well, Beth, I'm going to let you go. It has been, again, a real pleasure getting to sit down with you and talk shop. And most of all, so excited to hear about all of the great things happening at Brilliant Earth and what's to come. Thank you again so much for joining me. Oh yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. And as always to everyone out there, thank you for joining us for this candid conversation about all things experience, culture, and uh, frankly, distance learning. (laughs) Um, We appreciate any sort of feedback, ideas, recommendations on this episode or the series as a whole. So drop us a line at our touch points on Twitter. And if you haven't done so already, if you want to get new episodes as soon as they're available, subscribe to the pod. We are on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. So thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.